Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. What's going on, everybody? Patrick Bear here, and we are back again. It is Microsoft time, and I am being joined by Eric. Hello. And Benicio Joseph, BJ. <laughs> Benicio Joseph, I love it. I forget what I... There was one that I called you, like, months ago, that I was like, this is what I'm calling you from now on, and I promptly forgot it. <laughs> you you need to write it down. You need a little, like, uh, like nickname notebook or a notepad or something. Yeah, just get a little post-it notes and stick them to my, my monitors for recording days. <laughs> well, we are back, and we are going to talk about a film that came out a little while ago. We've just been waiting for... Uh, Eric and I saw it. Expeditiously. Right yes. Oh, yeah. We were ready to go. <laughs> I was very tempted to buy one of the souvenir popcorn buckets at the theater. In uh, the shape of uh, one of the main stars of this film. And uh, I held off because, one, it's already expensive to go to see a movie in the theater. Like, yeah. me by myself, one ticket. And I think it would, I went and saw, like, a late show. I want to say I saw a 9 or 10 p.m. showing. Like, I left the theater at 1 a.m. Like, it was the end of the night. And I bought, I think, popcorn and maybe a soda for myself because you know you can't go to the the theater and not get popcorn. If you do, I don't, I, I don't know who you are. Like it's reflexive habit. Even if I don't want the popcorn right there at that moment, as soon as I get inside of the theater and the smell hits me, I'm like, okay, just give it to me. Just give me the give me the popcorn. Give me lots of butter. You you know, uh, I I don't know if they still do this, but definitely. When we were growing up, they actually pumped the butter smell, it out like in the theaters in the AC. There was like uh, like a friend of mine showed me when he worked at a theater. He's like, yeah, we actually put like the scent stuff in here, so the entire building smells like popcorn, no matter where you are. Girl, where's that fragrance at Bath and Body Works and the Wallflowers? <laughs> Could you imagine you walk into somebody's house and you're like, I, all of a sudden I want movie theater popcorn. Oh, that's my new wallflower. <laughs> 
<laughs> like crazy. <laughs> but yeah, but like a, the, a ticket and a popcorn and a soda, it was like a $45 outing. <laughs> like it's ridiculously expensive to go to the theaters. So I did not buy the, the souvenir bucket, no matter how much I wanted to. But uh, we have been putting it off because our fellow castmates had not seen this film until uh, it was just released on Disney Plus Day. So for those of you uh, partially wondering why this episode is a little later than normal, it's partially because of that, partially because of scheduling issues. So we are here, if you haven't guessed it by now, or read the title of this episode and you just (laughs) randomly started listening to it, it happens. My Stitcher will sometimes just go to the next episode and I will not pick it. So maybe they did not see the title, Eric, the incredulous look you had on your face. (laughs) That everybody could see, because <laughs> podcasting is notoriously a visual medium. Of course. Uh, <laughs> we are here to talk about Thor 4, a.k.a. Thor, Love and Thunder. So, Thor, Love and Thunder, it's a 2022 American superhero film based on Marvel Comics, featuring the character Thor, produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. It's the sequel to Thor Ragnarok from 2017, and it is the 29th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The film is directed by Taika Waititi, who co-wrote... Remember, remember back when, when Taika started doing these movies, and we were like, how do we say his name properly? And now it's like second nature. Now it is. Now it just rolls off the tongue. Uh, uh, who co-wrote the script with Jennifer Caton Robinson and stars Chris Hemsworth as Thor... Alongside Christian Bale, Tessa Thompson, Jamie Alexander, Waititi, Russell Crowe, and Natalie Portman. In the film, Thor attempts to find inner peace, but must return to action and recruit Valkyrie, Korg, and Jane Foster, who is now the mighty Thor, spoiler alert, to stop Gore, the God Butcher, from eliminating all the gods. So, I mean, this is the Wikipedia uh, summary, but if you have not listened to an episode of Flame On before and you were just stumbling into this one, we are going to spoil the hell out of this movie and i mean luckily at this point it has been out for quite some time and is now streaming so you have plenty of opportunities to see this normally we see a brand new marvel film and then we are rushing in to record about it uh days if not hours after seeing the film i think there was one movie that i saw literally like hours before we recorded (laughs) and uh and and yeah so we're just gonna spoil the hell out of it we're gonna talk about the things we liked things that we may not have liked Maybe do some wild speculation for the characters or, uh, you know, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general. But that is how we do things here before winding it up with our flame ratings. You boys ready to uh, talk some Thor Love and Thunder? Sure. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting for you, one of you to be like, no, no. And call. <laughs> Leave meeting. <laughs> so one thing I want to do a little bit differently. We're going to do the same format. We're going to do, we'll start with the things that, that we enjoyed. And then we'll go into things that we, we th- thought maybe could have used some improvement. But what I want to do a little bit differently is do a, a continuous circle. So a lot of, uh, most of the times, once we started doing this kind of method, we would just like kind of do one person would give their list of things that they liked. And by the time we got to me, I was like, yes, you all have said all the great things. Here's maybe one more thing I can interject. (laughs) So this time around, we can definitely all um, comment on each other's topics or, or points, but let's each give one and then we'll pass the, uh, the, the talking stick, the, 
baton, if you will, over to the next person and just keep going around until we've kind of exhausted uh, our our good things or bad things or, or anything like that. So once we get to Wild Conjecture, at that point, we can just kind of go off on a tangent if we want to. Um, I don't know if I have much Wild Conjecture from this film. Uh, there are a couple of things that maybe could be from the uh, uh, Wild Conjecture after the post credit scene. So let's do that. But let's go ahead and kick off with Eric. Give us one thing that you thought was uh, pretty awesome about Thor Love and Thunder. Um, I'll start with Christian Bale. Just Gore the God Butcher. Oh, like, yeah. He was just amazing in that role. It's um, He definitely went into it and was like, I'm going to do it up. I'm going to be as gore-y as you want me to be. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's definitely one of the more memorable Marvel villains. Definitely not one of their throwaway, just the antithesis of the hero type thing. Uh, yeah, this was definitely not a... Um, same powers, just evil, pew pew battle, same powers type of villain for sure. Yeah, you definitely. You know what's funny is is thinking about um, how it, it. You know it's 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 funny because they definitely kind of touched on that whole how like how people feel when they become disillusioned, kind of with religion and that kind of rage and betrayal and. He knocked it out of the park. Like I was, I was, I was like, I actually, I want to see so much more of him because, like, it was just one of those characters. Because even Gore, God, Gore the God Butcher in the comics, he's he's a sympathetic villain, and that's a thing that Marvel has always done really well. Is like they have to make their villains relatable, and I definitely I could see where it, it's that it's that whole they're not technically wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. The yeah. moment you can say that about a Marvel villain, you're like, oh, he's down, he's he's good, top tier, like wonderful. So yeah, yeah I mean, I'm like, he's definitely not wrong in this movie. It's very Killmonger. It's very Hella. It's very much like no matter how like crazy their a- actions are, you're absolutely right when you can say. I, I, he's not technically wrong. <laughs> and I mean, for those who read the comics, the the start of the mighty or the lead into the mighty Thor came after the, the God butcher storyline mm-hmm. where, um, Oh my God, I can't remember who it was, but somebody whispered into Thor's ear and said something and you don't, you don't find out what it is. And it was during, I think original sin. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, I think it might've been Nick Fury. Because it was the whole who killed the watcher, and it was Nick Fury. And then Nick Fury becomes the guy that's you know sitting on top of the moon and watching everything. Whatever, like it was a whole long storyline. Obviously, we know comics are hard to distill down into a five second synopsis. Yeah, um, but I think it might have been Fury that that whispered in his ear, and Thor drops Mjolnir on the moon, and then Mjolnir calls to Jane, and that's what kicks off the whole the whole um, the mighty Thor story arc, and that line of of Jane being Thor, and when we come back around to the end of it, what we find out what was whispered in Thor's ear was Gore was right. 
<laughs> and that's what shook Thor to like so much that he he felt he wasn't worthy at all and lost the ability to wield Mjolnir in the comics. So this is a very interesting mixture of those story arcs, which kind of were first and then second with stuff in the middle, a little bit in the middle, where these are almost concurrently running storylines that wrap around each other. Yeah. It's a very interesting one. But yeah, Gore, Gore, was, Gore was definitely a, a villain that was not your your everyday normal mcu villain for sure bj why don't you throw a positive from this film out at us uh i i appreciated the fact that this this film kind of went more into thor's hit like his his emotional state because that was the thing i loved about ragnarok is we got even though it was there was a lot of like there's a lot of like himbo con like, you know, Thor energy in that movie. This definitely continued that streak of telling more of an emotional story about where Thor was at post uh endgame. And like how he's like like he's definitely still Thor and he's still like lighthearted, but at the same time, he's it, there's a lot of self-contemplation that they had him go through in the movie that I really appreciated. And you definitely get a good feel for how he's different from all the other gods within various pantheons. Um, And I would say Moon Knight did kind of did a really good job of that too, where you've got like gods from earth that are just kind of like, like we're going to stay out of things, but you've got Thor. That's like, I'm literally just going to show up and slap stuff with my hammer. So it's, it's, (laughs) It's it was really good it was really good and it's and it's definitely something I'm glad they kept in the movie. Um because uh I don't know, I just I really like I love the the fact he gives that speech and then when it was actually hard for him to leave the Guardians because he is lonely like that was the thing is they just pretty much flat out said he is a lonely person. He's super lonely and like and that's something they kind of showed with Bruce Banner and um, She-Hulk. Like every all the originals that are still around are all kind of like just kind of floating around, and they're not, you know, they've they've got to kind of find find a new way to live their life. So I really appreciated the fact that they went kind of all in on on Thor, kind of figuring out who he is as a god and as a hero. I really liked that. Yeah, I that was a. That was a through line, especially being somebody that had moved to a new city without a lot of friends, without, you know, a partner or, or somebody around or even a roommate um, that I, I was not expecting that film to come from my wig so hard when they get into that feeling of loneliness and, and being scared to care or to love because you don't want to lose it. And then realizing that the only way to fully live is to know that that's a possibility, but still do it anyway. Because the moments that you have, the experiences that you have, the love that you have with that person, those people that are in your life is important. Otherwise, you just, you know, you shut down and and you kind of cut yourself off from the world. So that's, you know... I, I definitely, I it definitely it hit me in the feels when uh, 
those those conversations are being had for sure. Eric's like, I am not going to open up about my feelings. (laughs) 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 What what about you, Pat? What was uh, what was one of your things? So um, I'm just going to outright say the mighty Thor. Like I came into this recording prepared. I may not have rewatched the movie since the last time I saw it, but I did come prepared again, visual medium, but you guys can enjoy this. My mighty Thor toy from McDonald's with hammer swinging. (laughs) (laughs) I, so there's a McDonald's right across the street from my house. And um, I was on my lunch break one day and I ran over to get food. And I saw the toys. Like, I didn't even realize that they had Thor Love and Thunder toys at McDonald's because I don't keep up with the, the Happy Meal toys anymore. And I saw that and I asked them what toys they had. And they had the Mighty Thor. And I was like, okay, no, I need Jane Foster as Thor. Uh, <laughs> so I never really read Thor comics before. And then I started around, around the time I was really getting back into comics was around the time, was shortly before... The um, the Mighty Thor storyline started, written by Jason Aaron, but with art by the incomparable Russell Dowderman. And Russell, um, who I would love to be a friend of the pod uh, at some point, I need to reach out to him and get him on, on the show. First off, adorable. Second off, so incredibly talented. Uh, if you are a comic reader, you've probably seen his art. He's been working on a lot of major storylines for the past few years. But he is so incredibly talented and was tasked with the re- the redesign or the design for can I mean guess redesign of the of the Thor moniker but the the look of the mighty Thor was a Russell Dowderman, Dowderman creation a lot of times uh Isad Ribic has done some amazing drawings of the mighty Thor as well so a lot of times they'll some use his art to to showcase her in articles but the original design was by Russell and I I really fell in love with the storyline. It was deep. It was emotional. It was a very difficult read um, because it does deal with a you know a person dealing with stage four cancer, essentially being called to duty through Mjolnir calling to her and bringing her to. Um, to the blue side of the moon that's where the side of the, that's the, that section of the moon that has oxygen where the x-men battled in the dark phoenix saga oh yeah um you know it, it brought her there and then when she picked it up when she became essentially an asgardian it stopped her cancer so she was now stronger she was healthy she was you know this it, going from somebody who was dealing with the effects of chemotherapy and, and a failing body to being this powerful, strong woman again, was this like, it, it was this amazing transformation, but then she also had to deal with the fact that, and it's, this is the part of the, the, the storyline that actually translated into the movie from the comic book. Every time she picked up the hammer and turned into Thor, her body, her mortal body purged any, any work the chemotherapy did to stop the cancer. So the whole thing of her, like literally that whole uh, section of her being in the hospital and being told if she turns into Thor one more time, that's it. She's yeah. not coming back from, from it. Um, 
even to, and I swear to God, I, I, I'm glad I didn't go with anybody else because I would have looked like an idiot. When, when Mjolnir is floating in the air next to her hospital bed, like that's straight from the comics. Like that is a part of the comics come to life. And then she shows up and helps Thor, you know, um, Mangog. Eric and I had this conversation like months ago and I couldn't remember who, who the battle was at, at that point. But the, that final, um, that final person that she, she helps Thor defeat was Mangog. And yeah. it was that same thing where she, she came and, you know, Thor was like, I've got this. Please do not turn back into Thor. I can do this. And he was getting his ass kicked and she came and she helped, you know, seal his fate uh you know mangog's fate and and save everybody and so to watch that that storyline and see a a a comic that i enjoyed so much really come to life in this way and to have some of those emotional beats and to me for me it really resonated and really hit and it's probably because of the source material and i'm able to kind of meld a little bit of both the comic and the movie and kind of fill in some of those pieces, I guess a little bit more, which isn't what, if you're not a comic book reader, if you didn't read the mighty Thor, you may not have that same feel that same connection to the storyline, but I thought that it was great. I almost kind of wish they had held the reveal off a little bit more, but there was yeah. so much that was going on that I understand why she took her helmet off because I mean, it was like a good five issues before the reveal to anybody, to the reader, to anybody in the comics that it was even Jane. And then it was still even a little bit longer before Thor found out it was Jane. Yeah, it it wasn't. And I don't think it was the, I don't think it was a mighty Thor comic. It was actually, actually, no, it might've been. I remember, I remember the scene because my jaw dropped because it was, she got knocked into a building and fell down and she dropped the hammer. And if the if she's and the thing is because she's human, if she's too far away from the hammer for too long, she reverts. And she mm-hmm. reverted in the middle of a battlefield. And yep. like Falcon was there, and everybody, and literally the entire that the Avengers team at that time, they were all like, "What?" And then she like he he managed to get her to the hammer before anything happened. But at the same time, it was just this this moment of like, "What the fuck." Um, oh, that's right. Because I think she and Falcon were a thing during that time. Yeah, she they were. Yeah. They, well, well, she kept making out with him, and he was just like, "Why'd you do that?" And she's like, "I'm a god, I can do that." And she just kind of fly off. So yeah, they were they were getting closer, but yeah. she was 100 percent like because I think she had they had showed her flying home or flying to her her hospice care, and like she transformed you and you didn't see her face or like who it was. All you know is that whoever was Thor was human and like dying, and yeah. then they then they showed it was Jane Foster like later on and like they, but it was definitely like it was months after they had started doing the Mighty Thor. Yeah, and it just felt like it gave her a renewed um, character because Jane in the first two Thor films is mostly you know an independent woman a, an educated strong woman but there's always that little bit of a uh damsel in distress type of feel yeah. where it's always like a lusting after thor and to see her essentially be reinvented as the mighty thor where she's not that girl anymore yeah. like that's not who she is and she knows how how frail life is and 
it's a whole different take on on the character and i loved it like i i really did enjoy jane as thor as the mighty thor in this film yeah everything Um, about her was fantastic yeah i um i what was it um yeah her interaction her honestly her interactions with everybody too was pretty fantastic and they they did a valkyrie oh I, and actually what was really good is this movie, that montage they did of actually showing her and Thor like <gasps> dating oh. and every like how it's new and how it goes and then like how they grow apart and he's off like saving things. She's like, you know, one of the leading scientists on like Rosenbridges and all this other sciencey movie stuff. And it's just showing how their relationship naturally kind of folded. How they grew apart. How they grew apart. It, it was, yeah. it was, and that was such a. I don't know. It, it was. It one. It made. It made them make sense. Because, like, I'm not very much, especially when it comes to movies. I do. I'm. I'm really iffy on romantic relationships in movies because they always feel forced. They always follow the same formula, and I actually really liked it in. Um, Ragnarok where it's just like yeah we broke up and you're like what and and but then to actually see it in this movie play out like that to me was like I mean maybe like I said maybe it's just I have a dead heart but I I appreciated that and then the fact that both of them still harbor feelings because they're both in different places but the same place Mm-hmm. She's lonely. She's lonely, but she's lonely for the reason of she's like, there's no point in getting closer to anybody or leaning on anyone because my time's finite. Well, and to circle back, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's exactly what we were just talking about when we were talking about his loneliness, mm-hmm. where he doesn't want to get hurt because he knows that feeling. And it's it's two sides of the same emotion, just for different initial reasons but the same they're both scared of the same outcome they're both scared that they're going to lose it whether it's because she dies of cancer or if you know he's scared that she's just going to leave again and it's it's so crazy but the i i I kind of i kind of i kind of got all fuzzy when he when they're in bed and mjolnir's on the nightstand and he whispers to it and he's like you know make sure you take care of her and like then the the um, Triketra glows and it's like, oh, they made they made comic book sense of why Mjolnir called out to her in her time of need. Oh, like I like that. Like it was yeah. it was expositional in a way that didn't feel forced exposition. Yeah, <laughs> as to why this is happening. Like in that montage, it really worked and it filled in bits and pieces that we probably would never have known otherwise because that's not usually what a, a, a comic book movie will go back and show you the pieces of that story Yeah, because sometimes they're not that important. But in this case, it really, it played to the reasoning of why, why Thor was acting the way that he was. And then why Jane felt the way that she did with her situation as well. Eric, any thoughts on their, the the rom com of uh, <laughs> the two of them? Um, it just helped color the whole thing. I mean, the it's really what was needed because because 
um, Jane was just dropped from the third movie. And yeah. since Dark World, she just wasn't there. And there were a couple little, like, aside Technically, things. she showed up in, end, uh, was it Endgame? Yeah. Technically? <laughs> <laughs> right before right before Rocket stabbed her. <laughs> um, yeah, but it definitely helped give more context, which was good. Um Now, in the Mighty Thor comic, there's nothing akin to... Is there anything akin to Thor's whispering to the hammer to protect Jane? No. Or or is Jane just worthy all on her own? Uh, so, in the, in the comic, it's actually... Um, uh, Odin gets ousted as, like, the king of Asgard, and Freya takes over as the All-Mother. All and she goes and gets Jane because she believes the next Thor needs to be a human, not a god. Um, so she she actually she transports Jane to the moon. So and Thor does not like her. <laughs> He's very much like, who the fuck is this? And who? Because he only goes by Odin's son after he loses the hammer. So. Uh, Which is weird. His Thor is his name. <laughs> like... So he's he, well, he's known he's known as Thor Odin's son. But once he gives up the mantle of Thor, he just goes by Odin's son. Like he doesn't even want to be called by his first name. Uh, but once Jane gets the hammer, she one hundred percent is like, "I'm the mighty for the Thor." Fuck off. Um, but definitely, it's 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 kind of a gr- it's like a group sort of project where uh, Freya help Freya helps her get the hammer. Um, because Freya believes that out of everybody on the planet that she is worthy and I, and they really don't explain like she just happens to be worthy. Um, but other than like Freya vouching for her, the hammer, she just chooses her as somebody that is worthy, um, in the comics. Because ultimately, yes. Did I think it was, it was cute the way Thor did that? Yes. But I kind of. I feel like it took a little bit away from Jane just being worthy on her own. Well, but I, I could see where you're coming from with that. But at the same time, think of, think back to Odin's uh, enchantment of Mjolnir. Essentially saying that if you're, if you can lift Mjolnir, then you are worthy. So for Jane to be able to lift Mjolnir, period, she has to be worthy. It doesn't yeah, just, exactly explain sure. how when Cap holds it in Endgame, how he doesn't get a cape and helmet, but that's a whole other aside for a whole other podcast to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but yeah, it's, I mean, and in the comics, it actually is the, the impetus to change the inscription on Mjolnir. Because yeah. after, uh, after Jane, then, um, because uh, Mjolnir actually, I believe, Mjolnir is destroyed fighting Mangog. She, uh, she throws Mjolnir into Mangog and like it plummets him into the sun and kills him. And there's only yeah. a tiny bit of the Uru left. So eventually, after many issues, there's they reforge Mjolnir. And when it's enchanted again, um, I can't remember the, the exact... Uh, quote on Mjolnir but it's instead of if he be worthy 
it's if they be worthy because yeah. then it opens it up to you know come on pronouns <laughs> true, the bro. social justice warriors just trying to make me all near woke now crash the system <laughs> crash the system <laughs> eric what's another uh what's another positive takeaway from from love and thunder um for me the visuals that they were able to create in this movie um for me the shadow realm was just amazing oh. the way the whole black and white of it all yes was just incredible um and the way the shadow monsters worked there in the shadow realm was just very cool um i also liked the look of omnipotent city oh yeah um, what all happened there, eh. but the <laughs> visuals of Omnipotent City was fantastic. Um, yeah, so just to me, the visuals of the movie. But I mean, when he flicked too hard, it was lovely to see. <laughs> I didn't say that was a bad thing. <laughs> you would have been one of Zeus's handmaids uh, passing out and swooning. Of course. <laughs> I love seeing the other gods there. Like yeah. that yeah. was was it the little bow, the little bow god? That was adorable. Mm-hmm. Um I was a little apparent- surprised they didn't um show any of the the Egyptian gods. I thought that would have been a good tie-in because I feel like some of the Egyptian gods who in Moon Knight weren't really having any avatars or anything. They're probably in Omnipotent City. And that would just would have been a good tie-in, I think. Yeah. Um, to cross-reference. I don't know if they knew what was going on in Moon Knight at the time. To be honest. I think there might have been a, a, a slight kind of, hey, this is the, the thought with gods being otherworldly beings and not actually like God's deities. Yeah. Um, essentially being extraterrestrials. And um, so that might've been a reason why they didn't do more of that, but it would have been, it would have been fun to see. Could you imagine Conchu just sitting in the back? <laughs> I feel like nobody would like him. Everybody would be like, everybody would be like, fuck this dude. <laughs> nope. No. Nobody likes Conchu. And well, and we get one of our our big queer moments. Two of our big queer moments. Yeah, we actually, get a lot of big queer moments from uh, from Omnipotent City with Korg talking about the fact that uh, all of the the mating Korgs are males, and they hold hands over a lava pit for mm-hmm. was it like three months, six months, and then eventually a new a new baby Korg is uh, is formed in the the magma. Uh, and then Valkyrie's, uh, I guess, I, I mean, it was very, it wasn't subtle, but it was subtle, you know, bisexuality appearance when yeah. she's flirting with one of the handmaids, like, you know. Yeah, I I, I, I definitely appreciated that. And I, I also, that was uh, when um, Gore is like, making fun of her and talking to her, he mentioned that she apparently did lose one of her, uh, her lovers um, and mentioned that one of her lovers had been killed. Well, that was the whole thing with, um, 
with her first appearance when she was talking about it, when Tessa Thompson was talking about it, the the Valkyrie that she's holding in that flashback scene with Hela, yeah. that she had said, you know, I I I took that to be my girlfriend or my wife or what you know whatever it was mm-hmm. that I was holding that had just been killed in battle, and essentially. I, I don't think that was what was like the the directed intention, but I you know Taika took that I guess essential headcanon and made it canon in yeah. this film. Like he turned around and was like, okay, no, that was her partner that she was holding, you know, dying on the battlefield. Like, I mean, yeah, that's because I mean, you know we just we need badass bisexual pansexual Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie in this world. We do. Oh, absolutely. BJ, what's another uh, another positive takeaway for, from this movie? Um, I think we've pretty much almost covered all of mine. Um, I mean, the visuals were amazing. Uh, like I said, all we've hit on all of like the, the character interactions and story bits. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, it's definitely. I feel like. I feel like. 90% of, of what I'm going to have in the second half is, is just I wanted more, which is always the best. It's always the best critique to always have for a movie. So mm-hmm. I honestly, I, I, uh, I mean, yeah, it was because it, what, because the thing is, I think this movie, and this will probably be my last good thing, I think this movie, while it wasn't the best MCU movie, and I wouldn't call it the best Thor movie, but I would definitely call it something we fucking needed because a lot of the, I will say a lot of the uh, Marvel movies and TV shows and everything for the past like two, three years, they, they keep having moments. They keep having fucking moments where they're just like, Hey, you know, those feelings that you have, we're just going to remind you that you have them in the most painful way possible. (laughs) And I'm like, so like not that this didn't have an emotional core and like there there were definitely moments where I was Agatha Harkness just taking my pinky finger and being like it's going to wipe that away for a second <laughs> but it definitely was more fun it's probably the most fun cuz this was the last one in phase 4 right or no the last one in no, phase Black Panther will be yeah, Black, Black Panther will be the last one. So, yeah. oh, G- Jesus Christ! Like I'm, like I, wa- I can't watch the trailer <laughs> for the second for Wakanda Forever without like wanting to just lay on the floor and just like weep. So let's be clear, like I, I feel like the tone of this movie was needed, and I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I, I honestly enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. But they're definitely the tone is like my final takeaway. Nice. Um, another another thing I came prepared for because uh, I, I have I have a couple of like little things, but one of one of my other favorite things, the goats. <laughs> I do you know how many McDonald's I had to visit to get this toy? Do you know how hard it was to find this thing? Because <laughs> everybody Tooth loves Nash. the goats. I mean, Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder are comic book staples. They Ugh. are um, the trusty steeds of Thor and uh, played a big part around the time of the Mighty Thor. And it, and a bit afterwards, I, I, I kind of fell off of, of reading Thor, I think maybe a storyline or so after um, Thor regained his title and, and hammer. 
But <laughs> I don't know why Tooth Masher and Tooth Grinder were such a part of the movie that made me laugh my ass off. <laughs> I'm not usually one for like stupid humor. Usually. There are times that like stupid humor, like Jizz in the Mammogram videos, most of the time will get me rolling. <laughs> stupid humor there. But there was something about them that just made my day when they were leaving New Asgard and they were just screaming and running and making the bridge. <laughs> like I don't know what, I don't know why. I love the fact of how he was gifted them essentially as a punishment. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> They were like, we need to get rid of these things. And because you helped us... <laughs> Yeah. Take these as a gift, as a token of our appreciation. And and honestly, Tooth Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder. I keep forgetting Tooth Grinder. I have to like I literally before we started recording, I had to keep reminding myself, I don't know why Tooth Grinder is the one that does not stick in my head. Nasher, got it. Grinder, maybe because I don't use the app. I don't know. <laughs> but it is uh those were were just a, a an absolute highlight of the film for me. Well, yeah. and um, I either heard or read in one of Taika's interviews that he wanted to include them basically to make the rest of the MCU have to deal with them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad about that. Oh, I'm not, not mad about that at all. Oh, God. I love it. Eric, do you have any other uh, highlights from Love and Thunder? No, we've kind of gone over all the ones I had. Okay, I'm going to do a quick run through. If you guys have anything that you want to uh, chime in about, by all means. Sure. Um, I I love the way that they introduced the Necro Sword because Null is not a thing. The symbiotes are, are a Sony thing and the Necro Sword is tied to Null and the, the, the king of the symbiotes. 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 And uh, so the way that they introduced it, I thought was really, really kind of cool. And it gave it its own agency outside of being this this other thing. Um, and, and it tied into that scene so well, that opening scene with Gore so beautifully well. Um, I also loved Infinity. Like, I did not think... for that. First off, that room... That room mm-hmm. that leads to infinity, yeah. seeing the statue of the Watcher, seeing the statue of the Living Tribunal. Second time we've seen the Living Tribunal um, in a Marvel film, back-to-back films, I believe. Uh, Multiverse of Madness was the last one, right? Yeah. And then, so oh, yeah. yeah, so and the Celestials. There's a there was a ton of celestial imagery mm-hmm. and two Celestials at Omnipotent City that were just hanging yeah, out. the two hanging out outside the window, like mm-hmm. yeah. Um, there was the, the celestial statue, the watcher statue, the living tribunal, and then death. The fourth statue in that room was was Lady Death, mm-hmm. which was may not mean anything. I think the living tribunal will, will come into play. Lady Death probably won't. And I feel like now that Thanos isn't a focus, I feel I mean, if they bring her in, great. But I know that like she's very closely linked to Thanos in the comics, and I would have loved to have seen her play a part in Thanos' story if they were going to bring her in and make it a part of something, mm-hmm. but to see those statues was amazing. And then obviously the fifth statue uh, or the fifth thing was, was infinity himself. And to see infinity on the big screen. And I think I saw it in IMAX too. 
to see Infinity oh, wow. in that that pool and be so comic fucking accurate. Yeah. Was incredible. I I was gobsmacked at how great that looked on screen and just seeing Infinity like that was that was phenomenal. Um and then, you know, the the Heimdall and and um uh Valhalla scene because after the whole mighty thor i think it was after i think it might have been in the, the when thor came back i don't know if it was the epilogue to the mighty thor or when thor thor took back the title of thor but he went to odin and asked like he said cuz odin hated jane foster as thor because yeah. he was like you're you're an imposter you're you're um you should not be here in asgard and all that but because she fought so so bravely and died saving Odin and the Asgardians and the world and the, the the universe, Thor went to Odin and asked for one favor, and that was to give Jane um, another chance at life. So she goes to Valhalla and is greeted and, and given this like you know warrior's welcome to Valhalla, even though she's human, and then she comes back to life. And she's given another chance of life and becomes a Valkyrie. So yeah. I'm really kind of curious if if Natalie Portman is down to do more films, I would really love to see a way for them to bring her back in. And that the Valhalla scene at the end really gave me a little bit of hope that that might be a possibility. So I don't know. That that was something that I really, I was like, okay, this is really cool. I'm, I'm happy this is happening. Um there's probably some more things that I'm not remembering right now. It's been a little while since I've seen the film. Overall, I, I, I those were like my biggest positive takeaways from from the film. So, I, th- I think that's a good uh, a good coverage. Considering how much hate this film has been getting online, I think we had a nice little conversation about some of the positives. I yeah. know we're gonna get into some negatives, but <laughs> before we do that, dear listeners, we hope that you are enjoying this episode and all the other content that we put out here on the Nerdy Show Network. For Flame On, uh, if you are enjoying our show, please make sure that you subscribe or follow us on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. And then if so inclined, please feel free to leave us a, a review and a rating. We'd love to hear your feedback and what we're doing well and maybe some things that you'd love to hear from us, either in topics or or maybe even some interviews that we might try to do. It's been a little while since we've done some interviews. And uh, in addition to that, we have our website, flameonshow.com. On that website, you can find all of our social media links, including our Twitch channels, our YouTube, uh, Instagram, all of that stuff, including links to email us individually. We love to hear from our listeners. So please feel free to send us an email, send us a message on social media, all of that good stuff. There's also a link to our Threadless shop. So if you would like to pick up some Flame On swag, you can do so there. And there is a link to our Patreon. If you'd like to go there directly, that's patreon.com forward slash flame on show. You can join at any one of the four levels that we have available. There are great perks at all four levels. And by joining up on our Patreon, you help support the show and keeping us doing what we're doing. So make sure you go check out flameonshow.com and patreon.com forward slash flame on show. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. 
you'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Now we do the good. Let's take a minute and let's talk about things that maybe could have been a little bit better. Let's flip it around. We're going to start with BJ. What is uh, something that maybe you wish was a little better in Love and Thunder? So um, while I did enjoy the tone and it was a lot of fun, it was a little bit jarring when you had God Butcher, you had Gore the God Butcher, but then you clip over to everybody else. Now, the tone coalesced beautifully when all four of them were together or mm-hmm. five of them. When all, well, actually, no, all, yeah, all five of them were together. It coalesced beautifully. The banter, like Gore literally looking at Thor and being like, you went and asked the other gods for help. Did you, they didn't help. Did they like, like that was, <laughs> cause that was the moment where you, you, Gore literally is like, why are you all uh, like against me? I'm completely right here. They're all shits and they got to go. Um, and it coalesced really good when he and Gore are talking in front of Eternity. And he's like, I'm choosing love. And if you're going to murder me, I would rather be with the person I love than fighting you. And that was and that was like right there. That was like the whole character arc for Thor right there, which was perfect. Um, but like I almost wanted I wanted more of Gore. I wanted more of Jane Foster. I definitely wanted more of Jane Foster and Valkyrie, like, palling around. Like, I would have been happy if they sacrificed a good chunk of the comedy just to have, like, buddy scenes with Jane and Valkyrie. Um, Because I think it would definitely have given more of an impact, especially when Jane does die. Um, And so, yeah, so so that's my first complaint is just I wanted more of the central things. And I've never said this about a Marvel movie. They needed to scale the comedy back just like maybe by 10%, just so Gore could kind of flow through the movie better. Yeah. Um, because yeah. it's jarring. It's jarring. <laughs> Although, the one thing I will, I am glad they did not scale back. And this was the, this, this should have gone in the other section, but I'll throw it in here. Cause I do agree with you that there were points where it could have scaled back, but the jealous boyfriend partner that stormbreaker was was everything <laughs> no because t- that that is on one of my uh that's on my bad list i was like no wow. thank you maybe if they had just done it once 
That would have been. Uh, yeah, let's go for broke, Harry. Let's just talk about it. Go, go talk about Stormbreaker. Because <laughs> then we got fight afterwards. <laughs> because to me, that and it wasn't just that itself. It was. It was to speak on what BJ was talking about. It was. It was. It. I think it was hard for Taika because Ragnarok being such a fun movie. And him getting so much praise for bringing such levity to Thor in and of itself, I think he felt like he had to pack just as much comedy into this movie, which to me is a much more serious storyline than what Ragnarok was. So in Ragnarok, he got to play. There was more room and breathing room for the comedy to really be there than here. And when Taika has such serious moments like on the boat when Jane is first telling Thor that she has cancer, it's there's I felt like you needed another moment to breathe, but then it instantly went inside with Valkyrie and Korg's head and they start the jokes start and it's just a a weird it's 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 so harsh the yeah. the feelings to write into the jokes. And I felt like that happened multiple times throughout the movie where just when you're ready, you're on the verge of feeling and getting in your feelings. It's a sharp cut to a joke or some other thing. And you're not allowed to really feel it uh, for the moments um, that you need to. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely get where you're, where you're coming from. And I know that that's been a huge uh, point of contention on the internet. And this film, this film has been getting a lot of, a lot of uh, negative commentary. And which, which kind of sucks for like, in, I feel like I'm that outlier. Although I've seen a few more people, especially on like my, my Facebook say, oh, you know, well, I like the film. I mean, like, I walked out of it really, really liking this movie but i do absolutely see that point of you can if you break the tension once or twice and tension is different than emotional weight and it was done at all the times like it wasn't just a tense moment that gets cut with a a um a joke it's those emotional beats like you were just pointing out about jane and and thor having that conversation on the boat like that should have been a little had that that moment to breathe, but or, I mean, or like the, the other big one was when uh, they're in New Asgard still, and she reverts and she's by the sink, and then all of a sudden she turns back and she breaks the sink, and if it had even another moment to breathe there before Valkyrie comes in, and and yes, it was great establishing Valkyrie is trying to keep jane's spirits up but i it was just a little bit jarring in those moments yeah but yeah. i i like i am more nitpicking because i want to overall this is a very good movie and but we're just going through oh absolutely nitpicks. yeah 
I will just say that I I I will wholeheartedly disagree with you on the Stormbreaker scenes. <laughs> the other stuff I could I can I can see your point of view. Stormbreaker <laughs> being that jealous that jealous partner still just makes my day every single time it happens. <laughs> Especially that first time when uh when they're in the like the the hall at New Asgard and he's just like Mjolnir. And he's just doing the little, like, just a little hand oh, and- thing, like, <laughs> trying to call it back. And then Stormbreaker just floats into the scene. I'm like, this is the most ridiculous. It's like the it's like the goats. Stormbreaker and the goats, like, it, they're on par for me <laughs> with that. But it definitely, it definitely did. It definitely, there were three different stories going on. Two were essentially just very solemn and heavy stories gore's you know dealing with his belief system crumbling and the loss of his daughter jane and her cancer and trying to essentially have that last grasp at being strong being able you know like able-bodied not being sick and then thor thor is where like the comedy comes in while he's still dealing with a a heady emotional plot line and because thor and jane swirl into each other there's so much levity that is awkwardly placed in 65 percent of the movie because in the gore scenes because there isn't a ton of interaction with gore up until really like towards the end, like, you know, there's a couple of battles, but it's very limited through the majority of the film. Yeah. So Gore's Gore's plot line and story is able to maintain its tone. So to both of your points, when you then switch back to Thor or Thor and Jane, it, there is a lot of that, that overt comedy and it's like, Oh, well we need to get in those jokes. Let's get those jokes in now. And then when it's just Shane by herself, that that bathroom scene is definitely very, yeah, very heavy and very heady about you know and and, and emotional. Um, that maybe because it was was one of those first kind of breaks, it felt more tension than emotion for me because I didn't mind that break as much that that Valkyrie break. It, it felt, you know what? Maybe it's because I'm a, I'm a sitcom watcher. And a lot of times when there's those moments in sitcoms, that's kind of that that tension break yeah. because they don't really get into like those deep, deep emotional beats. So maybe that's why it didn't it didn't hit me the same way. But, you know, that that's absolutely, absolutely 100 percent valid. Um, I <laughs> I'm trying to rack my brain a little. This one's a little bit different for me because. From a a things that could have been better, a lot of what you you guys have brought up already were kind of the major things that stuck out for me. Um, I wish we had seen a little bit more of the like the Jane plot getting into like what had happened before all of like the the cancer diagnosis or all those little bits. Um, and then I, I mentioned it earlier. I'll, I'll restate it here. I, I do wish, I know we only have limited time because it's a film, but I do wish that the, the 
Jane as Thor reveal had been done a little bit later to keep a little bit of that tension. And in the in the books, in the books, I feel like I feel like I'm talking um, Lord of the Rings here with, <laughs> with avid readers of Tolkien. Um, the established lore from years ago <laughs> was not followed. <laughs> in, in the comics, Thor, Thor was angry that somebody had replaced him, that a woman had replaced him. I don't know if, I, I don't think it was really written as like that a woman had replaced him, but just that somebody had replaced him. Somebody else was worthy and he wasn't anymore. Yeah. Where... In the scene before Jane's helmet disappears, I, I kind of wish that she had been able to take off the helmet rather than it just like, like digitally disappear from her head. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the in the in the movie, it was really played. It became a a a comedy jealousy thing, and I know that that it fits the tone that Taika was going for better. Um, but I wish that there had been a little bit more drawn outness to to that. Um, I, I, I wish there had been a little more tension rather than that one fight scene, and then all of a sudden, oh well, nope, it's your ex girlfriend from Earth. Well, I, I, I guess yeah. kind of the reason it was a little different here is because at this point in time, it's not that Thor wasn't worthy to wield Mjolnir. It's just that Mjolnir was broken. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the and jealousy because... comes in from Mjolnir reformed for somebody else, yeah. not for him. No, and, yeah. and, and I get that. And, and them changing like that aspect of it is fine. I just wish the tension had been built out a little bit longer. Yeah. Because then yeah. obviously, obviously Valkyrie knew it was Jane. Like that wasn't a surprise because she had been helping the people of New Asgard. So she's revealed herself to to Valkyrie at that point. So I really wish we had a little bit more of that backstory leading into that first initial fight with the shadow monsters, into the reveal, into Thor being jealous that Mjolnir picked Jane over him in the breakup. <laughs> Something <you> know, <laughs> kind of like that. <laughs> but again, I know that, you know, I, I don't want us to get to the point where four-hour films are a uh, a standard. You know, we don't we don't need another Zack Snyder's Justice League ever. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we could go three. The Batman was great. I mean, uh, I yeah. still haven't I still haven't watched that. <laughs> I still I can't. You I better can't. You, you better watch it before they cut it. They the, the next thing to get cut from whatever they're doing the HBO Max. Lord in heaven, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I, I definitely want to have an episode talking about like just the state of streaming because it's it's a fucking. There's a whole bunch of announcements coming out of places, so I definitely want to do a microsode where we talk about some of the some of the changes that are about to happen. Maybe I, maybe we'll record that as a uh, a nuggy and put it behind the good pussy paywall. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so my yeah, I want to say like the my my complaints that those are just my complaints. It's just if 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 the tone had been more even and they had sacrificed a little bit of like the the more jokey storylines for uh for uh some more development for Mighty Thor and uh, uh Mighty Thor and um Gore the God Butcher. Um also 
just bef- before we, we kind of start winding down, I just want to let y'all know they didn't specify which Thor will return when they did the Thor will return uh, sign. FYI. We're going to have to save that for wild spe- speculation and conjecture, <laughs> my good sir. Um, kind of, I had another, and it's, you kind of brought it up, but I wish we had gotten more gore. Um, yeah. More so, it would have been great to see, um, like when they go, when Thor first goes to that planet and finds uh, that huge god thing dead and uh sif there mm-hmm. injured it would have been neat to see that scene or the ending of the fight and gore leaving right before thor gets there or something um and i guess it's because they wanted to save the reveal of his powers and whatnot for the battle at new asgard but just even if at some other point once you had already met core uh, flashbacks to seeing him fight some of these other gods. Um, just to yeah, color. In, we only saw him kill, or we only saw two him kill one God and then a dead God. Yeah. Like, for being a God butcher, we only really saw two victims. Yeah. yeah the, the only thing you get as far as volume of how many gods he's killed is just, the guardians getting so many distress calls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, you really don't necessarily put that together. I mean, yes, after the fact you're like, Oh, okay. That's what it was. And, but it doesn't totally color in the same as getting some flashes, um, of him actually doing the slaying and killing. Yeah. Uh, I know you had it as a positive, but I didn't necessarily like seeing the second post credit scene with the Valhalla scene. Why not? Because I loved the fact that when she died, she did die in the glitter sparkles, and that's what says, oh, she died as a god. She got to go to Valhalla. I don't need to see it right then put in front of me. Um, I know it helps set up for future if they're going to bring her back, but I th- I think for me that was the th- you know what it, not even so much that like that uh, as a setup there was so much that was translated from the comics and there there a lot of the the MCU films we're at twenty nine with this one and now <laughs> like fourteen fucking TV shows at this point and I love them all <laughs> they're all great She Hulk. Fucking fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll get there eventually. Uh, that one's got a lot of episodes. We'll, we'll get there in a couple months. But with two N's and a Y, but not where but you think it, you think it is. <laughs> Come on, Madison. I love it. Bongers. Oh my God. The fact that everybody's been posting the damn um, Madison. Two ends and a Y, but it's not what you think. Coming 2024 fucking <laughs> picture has been killing me. I love it. Uh, but a lot of the shows, a lot of the, t- the movies take titles from the comics and are a loose adaptation of the, the, the comics that they're, they're named after. But they're not really the story. This film 
and this story takes the God Butcher story, and I have I haven't read the God Butcher story, but then it also takes the Mighty Thor run and combines them into this film. And there are so many scenes that are straight takeaways from the actual, like lifted from the page of the comics and put on the screen in live action. Seeing Russell Dowderman's Mighty Thor costume modified just a little bit. There are some changes to make it actually practical, but it so much looks like the comic book. Um, like, I, like I said earlier, the floating Mjolnir by um, Jane's bed. Like, that's taken straight from the comics. There's so many things that are taken directly from the comic that that dead god in, like, that wide scene and you see the body, they added Corrigan because in the comic it's just Thor. But, like, there's so many things that are so, that are just ripped right from the page that I think that's why I loved it. And knowing that the mighty Thor ends, you know, not the same people are in, in Valhalla that are welcoming her, but that is part of the comic. I, I get the, we can understand we're able to extrapolate from the glittery, the same way that Odin passed on into essentially, you know, we think Valhalla. Uh, and that could be actually how he's like, how she's granted a new life because Odin might be in Valhalla. Um, but I, I, I think I loved it because it was that end. It was like, it was a finishing up the comic book for me because that was the reason I loved. I think, that's essentially the reason why I like this film so much is because I really love the mighty Thor storyline. So to see it play out in film and then essentially get to the last page of the comic and and be able to close the book that gave me that oomph at that point. But, but yeah, no, I mean, I I absolutely understand and get where you're coming from with that and that it's not needed, but for me, it was appreciated. (laughs) Uh, I do have one last, but it may tie over into conjecture in that it's going to affect future. Uh, but I love Ted Lasso and I love Roy Kent, but I don't think he's Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> he did because seem a little. He did seem a little, a little smaller than than Hercules. He was a little sexy as fuck, though. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if you know the comedian uh, John Gabris, but he has been campaigning for years now to be Hercules, and I did. And he, granted, he would have to do some working out, but to me, he is stockier in the way you need somebody kind of bigger and stocky to be Hercules. Yeah, he would need to. He would need to put on a whole lot more muscle. Yeah. And this is coming from a bear who loves bears. So please don't at me. This is not a body shaming thing. Um, but he is a, he is a, a thicker, more zoptic yes. fella. And um, we all know, even Camille Nanjiani went ahead and um, got himself a Marvel body. And they kept even though we didn't need to, (laughs) and they kept his clothes on, but that motherfucker still got ripped for it. Oh yeah. So I, I, I I don't know. I, I think I'm not saying I'm not saying it has to be John Gabris. I'm just saying, to me, I can't think of his name now. The guy, Roy Kent. I, he 
is just a little too small to be Hercules for me. For you? For me. <laughs> for para me. <laughs> I'm a multilingual podcasting. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was interesting. I it, it, it threw me off. Like that that was, you know, the the first post credit scene. Would I have liked somebody a little beefier? Yes. Do I think overall he looks the part? Yes. Even if, even if he's a little small. Do I wish it was the ultimate Hercules so he would be um at least bisexual? I don't remember <laughs> I don't know if he was bi or bi pan bi slash pan or or gay. Um, but be in a relationship with uh any man, including, I believe, Wolverine. Yep. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And considering that most of this is, a, a lot of this is pulled from uh, like the, the Ultimate Universe, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I guess yeah, that could yeah. go in wild <laughs> speculation. Well, and say, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, my only other thing that I did not like, I did not like love at the end of the movie. <laughs> she was a goddamn brat, and I would have I, I would have been... I, I'd have thrown her out of my little, I don't even know where, the, I don't remember where they were living. I know it was on the beach, but whatever they were living in, I would, I would have been so mad. She was a goddamn brat, but. <laughs> it, it, like, is that an original character? Is yes. she an original character? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Technically, yes. Thor does have an adopted daughter in the comics. Um, different name and like different origin from it. Uh, so it, it's kind of an amalgamation in, in a sense because there is some comic inspiration to draw from for the character. But in this case, and I think she may have actually even had Stormbreaker. I, I right off the top of my head, it's been a while since I watched the the new Rockstars uh, video. This is how I get a lot of my backstory on things. <laughs> Listeners, if you enjoy the MCU movies and you are either a casual reader like I am, or you don't really read comics, check out the new Rockstars videos. This is not a paid sponsorship. This is not a a promotion, a, a partnership, or or collab. Although, if anybody from the Rock Stars is listening, please feel free to reach out to us. I would love to partner with you. Uh, I love your videos. But if you watch the like, like everything you missed in whatever, like they do it for like TV shows. So they're, they're doing them after every episode of She Hulk. They did it after Ms. Marvel, Moon Knight, all of those. They break down the entire movie and point out all the Easter eggs, all of the different like things that the references, all of those things. And when they get to that point and they talk about love, there's essentially, it's essentially, I almost forgot the other part of it. There was another thing where infinity kind of made a new person. Like that was an embodiment of infinity and was a character. So it's a combination of Thor's adopted daughter from the comics and this infinity being that infinity made rolled into one for the MCU yeah. because in the comics, the, 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 the being that was made had in, in some of a, a portion of infinity's powers. And it seems like that's the case with love in this movie is that she does have some of infinity's powers, which is the, the whatever, like kind of lightning stuff that she was shooting out at Thor. And then she drew a face on Mjolnir. Meow, meow. <laughs> I, 
had a face drawn up. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of cute. I can't be mad about that. But um, <laughs> yeah. Any other last uh, wish it had been improved or wish it was different for, for Love and Thunder? All right, let's throw it out there. Let's get some wild uh, speculation and conjecture. I mean, we've thrown some things out there. A, uh, a, a bi pan homo uh, Hercules is uh, one of my hopes and desires and wild speculations for for the future of the MCU. What do you guys think? Um, uh, like I said, I feel like uh, I don't think we're I don't think we're done with the mighty Thor because uh, as we saw in the comics, she does come back as a Valkyrie. Um, so they could bring her back as a Valkyrie for Secret Wars. Um, they could, she could come back because clearly they have plans for Thor. Uh, but like I said, that little tagline at the end where they say like such and such will be back, such and such will return. It just said Thor will return. It didn't say if it was Thor. I think one of the previous stingers said Thor Odinson. Mm-hmm. Um, did it? it he didn't, hasn't been ref- he has. I don't think he's been referred to, or if he has, like it's not a. It's not common. It just. It's just said Thor he was will ref- return. He was referred to in the movie called Thor, and I just couldn't remember if one of the uh, stingers uh, had at the end of uh, at the end of one of the movies said that, but it just said Thor will return. And I do know that Mighty Thor does kind of moonlight as a new Avenger uh, during the New Avengers run with. Um, Sam Wilson, Miles Morales, Miss Marvel, and Nova. Um, so we shall see how that shakes out. But um, other than that, so there this and what, what the thing I did like about this movie is that it wasn't super lore heavy amongst mm-hmm. amongst other Marvel movies. So it was just kind of like there there isn't too much wild conjecture other than there's definitely could be consequences for uh, eternity being wished on. Um, add to add to the multiverse madness and nonsense that's been going on throughout all like Loki and uh, WandaVision and and everything. So, uh, so I'm sure there could be consequences for that, and there's definitely consequences for uh, Thor pissing off Zeus. Um, so other than that, though, I'm 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 iffy on which Thor is coming back because they didn't specify. So I'm I'm not I'm I'm at least sixty percent sure right now that we have not seen the last of Jane Foster, uh, Mighty Thor. I would like there to be a mini series shot like Parks and Rec, with just King Valkyrie having uh-huh. to go to meetings all the time in New Asgard. <laughs> that would be awesome. I was just gonna say I would love to see like a Valkyrie show, a Disney Plus Valkyrie show, where Jane comes back and is a Valkyrie as well, and and it's like a buddy, uh, like a buddy cop comedy <laughs> type oh, wow. of show. So I feel like there's a I feel like there's a happy middle ground between both of those ideas where we can incorporate like like the monotony of the the nine to five ruler of Asgard office meetings and then superheroing at night type of thing like i feel like there's a way to do that and have um valkyrie and then jane as a valkyrie as well and have them in a in a show together i i that would be my my desire my my heart's wish after this film any other wild spectrum conjecture 
Spectre and conjecture. Speculation <laughs> and conjecture. I'm just making shit up now. Making up new words. Um, let's see here. So what are some of Hercules's big bads in the comics? Are most of his all related to like the Greek pantheon? So is it all like him against Hades and Ares? Honestly, I don't know. I I think he had a solo book for a little bit, but I don't think he's ever had like any solo stories. Ninety um, percent of the time, he just shows up on other uh, other stories. I know he was an Avenger at one point, and he. Uh, but ninety percent of the time, he's just kind of like wandering around doing his own thing. Like he works as a construction worker. Like I on think Earth. one of his biggest things was like Zeus sent him after Ares. Yeah. And like there was a whole thing with that. I think it might follow like that might be what this will end up being. So like where Zeus sent um, sent like Ares may not factor into it, but he'll go after Thor and kind of be a villain. So that might be Thor five where where Hercules is the villain, but then figures out that he's not like that he doesn't know the full story or doesn't have all the information and then makes that, you know, dramatic face turn and becomes, you know, uh, a hero by the end of it. And like it teams up with Thor to face, you know, the real villain of whatever, you know, of the film. So there, there are some little things. It's been a little while since I I read some, some backstory on Hercules, but it, it, it is very Greek God heavy. And then he's kind of a side story to Thor, Avengers, and the, the, those types of characters. A lot of fighting Hulk, a lot of fighting Thor. Because, you know, when you're Hercules, you need to be able to fight people that are that strong. And with Hulk going to Sakaar for some reason, we don't to go know get his kid. Um, yeah. his, his baby mama called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Child support. Mm-hmm. I said, your son is 17 and you have not paid a damn dime. <laughs> you need to come get your kid and have him live on Earth with you in Mexico in that little bunker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I think that's a great conversation that we've had about about Thor, Love and Thunder. I think it was a very well-rounded conversation. I, I know, BJ, you're the most recent one of the three of us to see the movie. So knowing Eric and I had had this conversation before, um, so it felt like rehashing some some points, <laughs> but I knew I knew how we both felt about the film. So it was it was good to to get your take and uh, your opinions on it. But before we sign off, um, let's go around the room and do our flame ratings. Eric, we will start with you. What would your flame rating be for Love and Thunder? This is a solid four flames for me. Sweet, BJ. What about you? I'm going to give this one three, three flames. I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm a little torn and I was going to like, when I was thinking about this earlier, I was like, okay, now this is a four. Then I was like, Hmm, do I do like 3.75? I think I'm going to stick with a four. And, and I've already kind of given my reasoning before when we were talking about it, but for me, not being a Thor reader until really kind of around the time that the mighty Thor started up with uh, in the comics to see it come to life like this. 
not 100% faithful to the comics because, you know, there's not decades upon decades of history to draw on for Thor and all of that. It, it was so close to the comic in a lot of areas and seeing those panels come to life on the screen for me. When I walked out of that film, I was happy. And that was, that's something that I don't always walk out of Marvel films. I like, you know, I don't think there's really been a film that I haven't liked, but this one, I actually was emotionally happy. I, I was like, I literally was just like, oh, I wanted to message the group chat and be like, oh my God, you guys have to see this movie. I can't wait for you like, to talk to you guys about it. And then I started seeing all the, the hate online for it. I was like, oh God, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, not from you all, but just from, you know, like in general. And I was like, oh, is this, this, this I, I had a very different reaction to this film than a, a lot of other people did. Uh, but I, I think I'll stick with a, a solid four flames for Thor, Love and Thunder. Dear listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with us, listening to us drone on and on about Thor, Love, and Thunder. If you would like to share your thoughts and opinions, please feel free to go to our socials um, that you can find by going to flameonshow.com. Or, I mean, if you want to be able to just find all this stuff in one place, you go to linktr.ee, so the Linktree URL, forward slash flame on show we have uh, everything is linked right there including uh offshoots to other social media and our youtube and our our thread the shop and all that but flame on show.com has all that information as well as well as our patreon link patreon.com forward slash flame on show you can find all of our information on how you can join at any of the four levels that we have and uh yeah help us continue to make this show that we love making for all of you listening So with that said, thank you, Eric. Thank you, BJ. We will be back, um, actually, when you guys are listening to this, next week, because we're a week behind. Uh, (laughs) Trade's running a little less on schedule this week, this this month. Uh, But that means you get two weeks back to back. This is coming out on the release day of not just Fletcher's debut album, Girl in My Dreams, but Michelle Branch's new album, uh, the trouble with fever. So there it is. Be- There's the music thing. Exactly. I was waiting for it. <laughs> It'll be a good Friday for me. So you all enjoy this episode while I'm enjoying some new music from two artists that I enjoy very much. But we'll be back uh, in just one week's time with our next roundup episode, and uh, we can't wait to talk more pop culture. But until next time, Bobby Uch. bye, bye.